Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we are going to talk about the new ebook, Ladies on the Loop, and we've got the uh, person who's behind that whole effort, as well as some of the ladies who wrote the chapters. Before we jump in, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, I am thrilled to welcome Susan Costa to our Great Loop Radio podcast today. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Kim. Thank you for having me on. I am so excited to be here with you. Well, and thank you for being here, and thank you for your efforts behind Ladies on the Loop, because it has uh, really had a great uh, reception among people. We, you know, People are talking about it all over our forum about social media, um, about what a great resource it is. So as I said, you are kind uh, of the, the person behind that effort. So tell us a little bit about Ladies on the Loop and how it came to be. Well, um, when we were doing the loop, um, Greg and my husband Greg and I on the Lucky Me, um, for the last 18 months, we crossed our wake on June 1st, and for the last 18 months, we just met the most amazing people. And often during docktails and potlucks and just general get-togethers, the girls would congregate and chat a little bit together. And it was the most amazing stories, because even though we're traveling together, Everybody was from different areas. You might be traveling. I'm from Massachusetts. We might be traveling with someone from Canada, someone from Florida, someone from, you know, somewhere on the river system. And we all just happened to be at the same marina or traveling together for that period of time. And the stories were unbelievable. And um, I kept thinking, wow, I hope everybody that's doing the loop, and especially the ladies, get to experience all these stories and talk to all these people. And there came a point that I was like, we gotta, I got to write this stuff down. And then I thought, I can't write somebody else's story down. I wonder if I could get some ladies to share these stories and maybe put them together in a book. And uh, share they did. <laughs> um, you know, tell us how you went about finding the authors and the subjects that are covered in the book. So it's really interesting. I you have this you have this direction you think something is going to go in, and then it goes in a totally different direction. Um, so I really thought a bunch. Well, first of all, how I got the the authors together was I put something on the AGLCA form, and I was hoping for twelve to fifteen women that would step forward. And instead, within about twenty four hours, I had thirty. Eventually probably close to 40 that reached out and then some because of the time schedule or they were traveling or whatever decided they couldn't do it so we ended up with the 35 authors and it's funny because I really expected the book to go more towards the friendships women make and the connections we made with other women and I I thought a bunch of the chapters would kind of be in that direction 
But I told the girls that they could write whatever they wanted. The only rule was three to eight pages, and but it could be about anything. And all of a sudden, um, probably about a week after all the girls had committed, I started getting the chapters in. And I was just, like, amazed. They were about everything. Um, sickness on the loop, having, um, overcoming fears, um, uh, cruising in a small boat, uh, just uh, cruising with a handicapped child, um, just amazing. And then somebody did something about the side trips on the loop. A woman did something all about, um, you know, laundry and all, it was just such a fantastic collection of all these different stories and the neatest part has probably been I've had dozens of men reach out that have downloaded it and said, wow, this book is just fantastic. I've got so much information out of it. And we've been hearing that, too, from, from both men and women alike that have been really pleased with uh, the content of the book and with these 30-plus women who have shared you know, sometimes some intimate details of their fears and their hopes and how their loop went. Um, was there anything that really kind of surprised you about what the women were willing to share? Probably not, because um, on the loop, and I think after the loop even, there's this connection that you feel. I am, I have probably met and am friends with at least maybe about a half of the authors and then became quite close with many of the others as we were working on emails back and forth and, and editing of the book. Um, but there's a connection that you make and you feel um, that you want to share what you've learned or what you overcame or your issues or whatever. So um, the fact that some of the chapters are very, very honest and, and just putting it all out there um, that was the type of conversations that you would have sometimes over a docktails or a potluck. So the fact that they were willing to write it all down and, and put it out there for anybody to read, I was hoping that would happen, wasn't sure it would, and, and then thrilled with the results that it did happen. Well, and Susan, this isn't the first time that you've done an ebook because you did your very popular one about visiting the Bahamas by boat. Um, so tell us a little bit about that one, because you also contributed a chapter to Ladies on the Loop about the Bahamas. Um, so that was an interesting, um, it was, my, Greg and I, my husband and I probably spent about a year and a half or so getting ready to do the Great Loop. And I'm not talking every hour, every day, but there'd be something we were reading through waterway guides. We were reading through online stuff. We joined the AGLCA right away and attended the um, prep seminars and whatnot. And, but the Bahamas actually almost was a little bit more of a concern to me than going on the loop, which sounds strange, but I was very nervous about some of the shallow water in the Bahamas. And then when I started to read the materials, the Waterway Guides is, has a great Bahamas book, but there, it's 400-something pages. There, there wasn't anything condensed, so I had to dig and dig and dig all over the place to get basic information. How much is it going to cost for the electric? How much does my boat use for electric? What's going to happen when there isn't a place to pump, um, there's no pump out at a marina? And there was just a lot of general stuff that I had questions for, and I really had to hunt for it. So when we finally started the loop and decided to do the Bahamas at the beginning of our trip, um, 
I started keeping notes of everything, and I had pages and notebook of notes that I had uh, put together before we left on it. And then all of a sudden, as we're getting ready to finish the trip, I said to Greg one time, you know, we've just learned so much. We are a looper that went to the Bahamas. And I, we had talked to other loopers that wanted to go, and it was a little bit of a mystery because it's, I think that one of the biggest fears, too, is you're going out of the country. It's just, it's, it's not island hopping like we have done up in the Massachusetts Rhode Island area. You're actually um, going out of the country. So I think, I guess we came up with there was probably a need. So we put the book together, and as of now, which is probably, it came out in April of 2019, I think I was closing in on 9,000 downloads of it. And it's a free book, and we have offered it to um, predominantly wrote it for loopers that were thinking of doing this as an add-on. But it's also been um, yachting groups, especially down um, yacht clubs and groups and boating groups down in the Florida area, um, have taken the book and shared it with members. And we've had requests, um, a lot of Canadians that eventually want to come down to the Florida area and then cut across and stuff. Even requests from people coming up from south, other islands and are about to enter the Bahamas that have heard about the book, Can I Get a Copy of the Book? So it's had really good response and we're really excited about that. Yeah, it's had great response. And um, for those of you who weren't at some of our more recent events, Susan and Greg presented on the Bahamas at last year's Fall Rendezvous and at early this year at Looper Palooza, which was the last time we actually had a face-to-face -face event. Um, and their enthusiasm for the topic of the Bahamas is just contagious, as you can tell just from listening to Susan talk. Um, but also the beautiful photos that went along with it. So um, some of our top speakers, and we, we certainly appreciate that. Where can people download your Bahamas book? So they can either um, reach out to me in an email, sueluckyme at gmail.com, and I probably still get a couple dozen requests each week, and I just um, just email it back in a re for free in return. Um, we've never uploaded it to Amazon. So basically either people reach out on Facebook for Susan Costa, um, or our Facebook page for our boat, Lucky Me Looping, or they send an email and we are glad to give, just send them a free copy. Um, the ladies on the loop book, we did upload to Amazon Prime, um, the, the least expensive you can upload a book is a dollar ninety-nine. Um, any profits that would come, royalties from that, we'll, we'll be donating it. Um, I had talked with the other authors about it. But if somebody wanted the book, we do post it on the form, and it's all available all over social media for free. But if for some reason somebody can't find the Ladies on the Loop book, that is on Amazon Prime. Just look up Ladies on the Loop, and you'll find it. So, yes, and you've been distributing it widely. And, again, it's a free book. So that's, um, you know, very generous of you and of oh, all no, the it's, authors. It's to 100 make percent it free. It's a, some people um, had trouble. They only use a Kindle. And if you take it in a PDF format and put it on your Kindle, it wasn't coming out right. So I did have a few requests <laughs> saying, can you put it in the Kindle version? And you can't do that unless you go through Amazon Prime. And Greg and I figured it out, and so we did put it on there if somebody needed to. But no, it's um, you can also just look up Ladies on the Loop on the form, and the, the book is attached right there. Yeah, so you'll find it in the AGLCA forum. Um, you'll find it in the AGLCA's 
Great Loop group on Facebook, and the group is just facebook.com slash the Great Loop. Um, and you'll find it in the files area there. So my question, Susan, um, you know, of course, the Kindle version, you'll know how many downloads there were. Some of the other places, you can't tell. So, you know, you know you're closing in on 9,000 downloads of your Bahamas book. Any idea, uh, any stats you might think of for the Ladies on the Loop book? Well, it's only been out about two weeks now. Um, can't give you stats. I can tell you that every day, just about, I'm getting three and four emails with lots of people that have read it are reaching out with either a question or to a follow-up or actually just sending an email to request it. Uh, with this book, though, because there is 35 authors, we gave the PDF to everyone, so they're also passing it out. To give you one idea, Debbie from Gypsy's Palace, um, which is one of the authors in the book, uh, she put it on, I believe, connected it to her blog or something, and she just sent me that she had reached 1,008 in three days or that it, that it downloaded it. So while I can't keep track of it, just because um, of the voting groups that are forwarding it and the response I'm getting, I'm also hearing from the authors that they're being approached by other groups and, and people that have read it. I think it's it's probably, you know, in the thousands in, in just a short period of time. Yeah, I would absolutely say so um, because of just the amount of buzz we're hearing about it as well. Um, this book, I, I read it cover to cover. I enjoyed every single chapter. Um, it's a great read from so many different perspectives, uh, but there's so many different voices shared from each of the ladies. Again, it's ladies on the loop, but um, many of the topics are applicable to anyone. Um, and Susan, this is it's really a great gift to the Looper community, and I think so many people are so excited to have access to it. I've seen comments that say, you know, where was this when I looped three years ago? Um, so really, I just, know I saw that. <laughs> yeah, um, just a heartfelt thank you from all of the Loopers out there for your effort, for the effort of all of the ladies who contributed chapters to this. Um, really well done, and we're so thrilled that it is a resource for loopers. Thank you, and thank you for having us on the uh, radio. And who knows, maybe we will talk next year, and there will be another version that will come out in 2021. Love to hear that, because there's, you know, loopers all the time, so new authors, uh, new readers, and we are going to spend the other half of this podcast today speaking to one of the authors. We're going to talk with Jody Symes, whose chapter is titled, There's No Crying on the Flybridge. Great title for her chapter. Um, and then we're, we've turned this into a two-part podcast, so then next week we'll speak to two more of the authors from Ladies on the Loop. So uh, Susan, again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing the book, as well as your time with us today. Thank you. We appreciate it. And we will play a message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back with our interview with Jody Symes. Back in a moment. Are you planning your trip around the Great Loop and feeling overwhelmed? Maybe you or your spouse are nervous about the trip due to lack of experience. With help from the Voyage Planning Advisors of Untold Horizon, LLC, you can now get underway with confidence. Untold Horizon is a voyage planning service where merchant mariners with decades of experience serve as your personal cruising advisors. Our highly trained mariners prepare custom voyage plans that are designed around your experience, type of boat, and any personal preferences you may have. 
Put your mind at ease knowing that you have seasoned captains on your side. Join us today at untoldhorizon.com. My next guest today is one of the authors from the Ladies on the Loop book, and it is Jody Symes. Jody, welcome to Great Loop Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So let's start off, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and your Great Loop adventure. So I'm Jody, and my husband is Dan, and we live in Massachusetts. We planned on looping in 2018, but our boat wasn't ready to go in the summertime, which would have been the best time to leave to sort of chase the great the great temperatures. So we left our home in September of 2018, went south for the winter, and then started our loop in spring of 2019. And what kind of boat were you aboard? We have a, a, a power catamaran. It's a 43-foot lagoon power cat. And so your chapter in Ladies on the Loop is titled, There's No Crying on the Flybridge, which I love. <laughs> Automatically just got yep. engaged in that right away. Um, and, you know, you share a lot about your history leading up to your great loop, which we're going to leave that for readers to check out in the book because we can't fit everything in today. Um, sure. But there's a real inter- interesting history leading up to that. And then you talk very frankly in the chapter about the start of your trip. Um, I don't know if you would describe yourself as reluctant or not, but the beginning of the trip being very stressful and nerve-wracking and kind of lonely for you. So I think that's a fear that a lot of people have before they actually start out Mm -hmm. on the loop. So um, particularly this year from COVID, I've heard from a few who kind of said, this isn't at all what we expected. We're not seeing people out here. Um, That makes it extra stressful. We feel like we're out there alone. So talk about how that was for you, what caused that, and what was that time like? Yeah, sure. Just quickly speaking to the COVID, I I think we're so lucky that we looped last year in 2019 and not this year. I feel bad for people who haven't had that full experience. We actually traveled north. We traveled starting in April from Florida and came home. So it, it was very, very different than the rest of the loop. But getting back to um, my my anxieties. I'm a worrier by nature. I worry about everything. That's just who I am. Um, And I was excited. I wouldn't call myself reluctant. In the beginning, I was reluctant. But by the time we were ready to go, I was excited and really anticipating uh, having a great time. But I I did worry. I worried that the boat was going to break down that we were going to be stranded somewhere, that we were going to get into situations we couldn't handle as boaters. Um, I worried about being away from friends and family for such a long time. Um, And I was just anxious in general about not knowing what to expect on a day-to-day basis because it's so different to be on the loop than it is in my quote-unquote real life. Mm -hmm. And then... So you talk about that that was difficult, and then you share what what I would maybe call an aha moment, uh, that you were heading south. Um, How long into the journey was that, and what sparked that change that allowed you to kind of settle in and relax a little bit? Um, A a few things. So it was probably, honestly, about six weeks or so into our journey. So once again, we live in New England. We had to do some really big waters to get to the ICW. We had to do... um, the Atlantic Ocean, Cape Cod Bay, Long Island Sound, Narragansett Bay. I'm probably not doing it in the right order. So by the time we got to the ICW, 
we've been boating for about six weeks with weather delays. It was fall. It was um, we were going the wrong way on the loop at that point, so we weren't meeting a lot of loopers. Though we were meeting other cruisers here and there. Um, and then one thing that happened, we actually did meet some gold loopers. Um, Sherry and Craig on Cha Cha were heading south for the winter. We met them and they started giving us some tips, which was really helpful. Um, the weather started getting better. Dolphins started swimming. And I literally remember saying to my husband one day, I think it's okay for me to have fun. I, I think I was so superstitious that if I thought for one minute we got this, that something bad would happen. Um, but I just remember thinking, it's okay to relax and have fun. And I was able to start to do so probably about six weeks into the trip. And that that's one of the things I just loved about your story because I could feel that moment with you um you know, to just give yourself permission to relax and enjoy it, and it's okay to have fun. And I think that's such an important thing for lots of us who are, um, you know, warriors by nature. I think I fit into that category. Right. Uh, probably have been accused more than once of being a little bit of a control freak. And, of course, it's not something <laughs> yep. you can control. Um, so, yeah, it's just okay to to enjoy it. So the result of you kind of reaching that point is that you came up with what you call the toolbox that right. I think can be really helpful for others, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast. So let's dive into the toolbox. What was the first thing sure. that you put in that toolbox? Um, so I think it, it's about being prepared, which I know other people have talked about in their chapters as well, but we bought our boat in Florida in 2017 and had to get it home. So it was a new-to-us boat. We didn't know the waters there at all. And honestly, we didn't have a ton of boating experience. So we hired a captain, and he helped us off and on for um, the first part of the trip. He he knew I was nervous, um, and, and he literally asked me whether I wanted to be a passenger or whether I wanted to be a participant and kind of just made me keep busy, and that really helped that was the first tool is to keep busy and to participate. You know, I learned how to throw lines. I learned how to, he made me call all the bridges on the ICW. Honestly, I think that was really just to keep me busy and keep me less worried. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped, I learned how to help dock, not, not physically drive the boat to dock, but, you know, with lines and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was really the first for me was just to be prepared so that I knew what to expect from each stop. And that's a great question that that captain asked you, because we do have some members who, you know, realized along the way they wanted to be a passenger. (laughs) And we have some who say, you know, I I just want to be a first-class passenger and let my husband take care of everything. And as long as both people in the couple are on board with that, it works out great for them. But it's it's great that the captain asked you that question that made you realize, I really want to be an active participant in this. And that led you to practicing and being prepared. So I love that. Um, tell us about. And it was fun. Yeah. It, it, you know, it became something fun that my husband Dan and I could do together. It became our trip mm-hmm. because, because for me, because I was participating, it was more of our trip. Right. Another thing you put in the toolbox was just to kind of look at each day independently, and you called it uh, a ride on the boat. Basically, each day. Tell us about that and why that was helpful to you. You know, I I actually remember hearing about that at a rendezvous in the spring of 2018. We went to a rendezvous in Norfolk, and I forget the name of the speakers, two men who talked about the loop, and one of them said that. There was, 
a boat ride every day. And I kept telling myself that. It's just this, we're just going on a boat ride. We're just going to be on a river today. We're just going to do 40 miles. We're just going to do three, whatever it was. Um, it became a lot more manageable and it, 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 you know, sort of chunked it out for me versus this great big 5,000 mile halfway around the country trip that we were embarking upon. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so huge when you look at, you know, the mileage and the amount of overall time. But if it's just to think of it as a series of day trips, that's such good advice for people who maybe are a little bit overwhelmed by the whole prospect of it. Um, you also right. came to a way to have a, a go, no-go decision each day. And that's mentioned yep. a few times um, in the book. Um, and I, I think, well, you were one, of, but one, but I think at least two, maybe three or four ladies actually mentioned that. So tell us, you know, this idea that you had uh, for your go, no-go decision each day. Yeah, it's, it takes two yeses and one no. And again, that was a tip that one, probably one of the tips my husband wished I didn't remember from a rendezvous. <laughs> um, and, you know, just a little aside on that, one thing I didn't actively participate in until probably halfway through was really looking at weather apps and trying to understand, trying to understand what, what, how, how to make those decisions better. So, um, they, we'd look at the weather apps together or Danny would tell me before I started looking at them with him, he'd tell me what, what to anticipate. And then he'd ask me, do you want to go? If it was a little bit iffy, he'd say, do you want to go? Um, and as I say in my story, I definitely made a couple of calls that were too conservative. And I, I only remember one day that we both said yes and wished later we had said no. So it worked for us. And actually, um, Leslie Poole and Jim Lund, who did The Loop, uh, probably a little bit before you, but Leslie wrote a chapter in Ladies on the Loop, and I think she's one of the people who mentions this go, no-go decision. And, and Jim was actually just on the podcast last week talking about some lessons that he and Leslie learned along the way um, so that others could learn from their mistakes. And one of them was going out in weather that you know perhaps wasn't ideal. And both of them in their heads were thinking, we should turn back. But neither one of them vocalized that. So that's where right. kind of I remember that reading same, that. Right. Yeah, um, they came to that same go or no-go decision. And I think one of, the, one of my favorite ways I've heard somebody phrase that, because that is fairly common among loopers, but um, one person at a rendezvous said, I just simply tell him my half of the boat is not going today. And that just kind of <laughs> like you know, made everybody that's laugh. Great. But, um, you know, very true. If one half isn't going, then the other half certainly isn't going. So there's your, there's your decision. Um, and the other part of the deal for us is I, you know, we had an agreement that if, if I said no, he wouldn't say all day, we should have gone, we should have gone, we should have gone. No shoulda, woulda, coulda. Once the decision was made, it was made. And wow. we tried not to, uh, you know, double think it or, or overthink it for the rest of the day. That's great as, as an add-on because, of course, I've heard the go, no-go, but I've never really heard anybody say that, and that's so important. So thank you for that great tip. That's important to abide by as well. Um, and then another sure. tool, you said that you paid attention. So talk about that. What did you pay attention to, and what did that help you with? Well, again, because I'm a worry ward in the beginning too much. I paid too much attention to sounds. You know, we, we have a fly bridge, which is in the title of my chapter, but... Um, depending on how the wind was blowing, the canvas would sound different, and every little sound freaked me out. But after a while, I learned you really do have to pay attention to sounds because I could sense something 
different in an engine a little bit before my husband could because honestly my hearing is better than his. His his hearing's a little off. So you know, there were some times that you could I could almost feel the boat change before it stalled. And um you know, the red red right return or green buoy on the left, red on the right, it, it changes as you go from different waterways. So it took two of us to remember which side and there were times I'd remind him it's red right red on the right right Danny and um, just little things like that smells I definitely could smell things if something smelled a little hot or a little off um, it took two of us to sort of keep you, you need all your senses on a boat trip you can't you can't just get lazy and go for a boat you know I, I think you need all your senses and need to pay attention all day and that, that makes sense and that's not a tip that I hear frequently um, but I think that is one of the bonuses if you are cruising as a couple of, of having both of you to be paying attention to those things. So that's that's some more great advice that I think not enough people really think about is that it's you're not just paying attention to your navigation per se, but you're also the sights, the sounds, of the course. smells on the boat, and that's also important. Um, so I remember we met someone in Canada, and they weren't loopers, but I remember she told me that she kissed her husband goodbye every morning when he went to the helm, and she just did her thing in the cabin all day mm-hmm. and that kind of I, I could never do that it would drive me crazy to not know where we where we were and what we were and I, and I feel like I was missing too much if I wasn't up yeah. there with him I think that goes back to the decision to either be a participant or a passenger so yeah that, that's right huge. right um, so we talked in the beginning about how your start was, you, were, you weren't quite on the, the main loop route because you were leaving from New England and, you, you, you know, there was some mm-hmm. loneliness, some homesickness. Um, but you also put something in your toolkit regarding that as far as missing kids and your granddaughter and friends. And tell us a little bit about that piece of the toolkit. Well, I, I spent a lot of time on the phone with my sister and my best friend. Not every day, but, you know, there were days. If they, they still their lives were going on. And sometimes that was bittersweet that I was having a blast. We made new friends. We were really enjoying the loop, but life was going on at home without me. So sometimes that kind of made me, it kind of actually made me a little bit sadder to connect, but, but we did connect. I, I connected frequently by phone, did FaceTime with my granddaughter. But again, when we left, she was only two and a half. So FaceTime was a a, a bit of a mess. <laughs> she, you know, she had the attention span of a flea when we first left. Um, but by the time she understood about the boat and um, was excited to get on the boat when we finally got home. So I, we really, we kept in touch via phone calls and texts. And I started my blog, which I know we'll talk about, but I, I actually did that. So my close friends and extended family and friends knew where we were and what we were doing. Um, my husband's family, for example, he's, he's not as great with keeping in touch as I am. He's not a texter. He doesn't make phone calls. So his family really appreciated, um, knowing what was going on as well. Yeah. And I love that you closed the section on, you know, FaceTiming and keeping in touch. You said home was never really as far away as I thought it would be, which. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. With phones and texting and everybody's Facebook pages, you know, what's going on. And, and we did fly home, um, a few times during the loop, we had to come home for appointments and uh, we were away one Christmas and I came home last Christmas. Mm -hmm. We came home last Christmas. So, Mm -hmm. and then the final thing in your toolkit, um, you started logging details about the trip and eventually turned that into your blog. So uh, 
Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. What was that process like that went from just simply logging to an actual blog? So I, I really was doing both um, all the way along. But it, it, the, So every morning when we left, I'd sit, just write down where we left from, what time we left. Another part of my superstition, I never wrote down where we were going. Because in my mind, if I wrote it down, I'd jinx us. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't want to jinx us. We always had a destination in mind. It was charted out on the GPS, but, uh, you know, the next morning I'd log where we left from. So I'd put what time we got there, um, how many miles it was. I wrote down when we fueled, when we pumped out, those kinds of things. I got a little lazy about those details, to be honest. And anything cool we saw or um, anything that happened, like there were a couple of times my husband had a few change fuel filters while we, while we were underway or if it if it was rough or we had fog a couple of times, so good and bad things I'd write down. Mm -hmm. um, it was particularly helpful when we got to Canada. The days sort of all kind of, all the places were so different to us and so new to us, and the days kind of all went together. So when I blogged, I tried to blog once a week. Having all those little details really helped me sort of put a story together in my blog. Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us if if it's still out there. Where can people find your blog? I'm sorry. Say that again. Where can uh, listeners find your blog if it's still available? Oh, yeah. It's um, dundigandiaries.blog is the is my link. And Dundigan is my your boat. Website. So I, there's I always love to hear where boat names came from. So tell us where the name Dundigan came from. My husband was in construction before he retired in 2018. He um, built houses for about 40 years. Mm -hmm. So um, he came up with that name, actually, because we retired just around the time we bought the boat. Wonderful. Uh, Jody Symes is one of more than 30 ladies who contributed chapters to Ladies on the Loop. Um, and Jody, again, one of the reasons out of the 30 plus when I was trying to sit down and just pick a few chapters that we could talk about on the podcast um, was really this toolkit that we've been through because I think that's really offers such helpful advice to other ladies and men who may be doing the loop afterwards. And we've kind of heard um, as the book became available, we heard from some men too who thought this was just great advice. So thank you for sharing um, both in the book and on today's podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me, Kim. I, re I appreciate it as well. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.